This episode is sponsored by Vorboss. Check them out in the description below. Guys, welcome to The Ground Floor, the podcast where we are successful people exactly how they did it. Our guest today is Shivani Powell, the host of A Millennial Mind, which is a podcast, and she is also the founder of My Performance Planner, which for the first time ever, we've displayed a product on the desk. <laughs> We're official now. We're big time. Um, Shivani, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Sorry, I'm not my best self today. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I should clarify you're a little bit ill and you've still come in. No, no, I think my pressure. Is, uh, no, no. is a big, uh, a big sign of character, I would no, no. say. Thanks. So um, for anyone at home that might not know you, can you give a little sort of summary of who you are and a bit about your backstory? Gosh, I always ask these people, I always ask everyone else this question and mm. then when people ask me, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, um, it's weird being interviewed as a podcaster. It is, yeah. it is. So I guess I started my podcast on Millennial Mind in lockdown and through that, it's given me so many different opportunities where I've started coaching, I've built the planner, I've been doing goal setting workshops, I've been invited to corporates to do loads of different things. So mm. I think that is what I do as a whole, um, but who I am as a person, I think my mission and my purpose of doing things is to allow people to create a path that suits them right. and to empower people to make decisions that work for them and to not conform and live in a mold that people have set out for us. Got yeah. you. So if people were to ask about the kind of niche of what your podcast is. Oh God, you're asking all these hard questions now. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what my niche is. Right. Um, I guess it's for millennials. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's called a millennial mind, but also for Gen Z as well. And I think it's for anyone who is figuring out who they want to be right. and like what they want to do. But the purpose of the podcast is to make people feel less alone. That is the whole source of it so every mm. episode i want to make sure i'm covering a topic that someone can relate to and they will feel less alone mm. so that's why it's around taboos and mm. controversy and different topics because when you're going through something hard no one in the world will understand how you're feeling in your circle but mm. there will be somebody out there that does mm. right and so that's what i want to do is close that gap of people feeling isolated and if you go sort of right back to the start then i mean how did you what was your path to actually figuring out that that's what you wanted to do? Because I think you were working a full-time role, role yeah. job out of uni. Yeah, so I've I've always been somebody who has been very opinionated. And I think that's why I studied law at university because my parents were like, you're so opinionated, be a lawyer. Yeah. Mm. And um, essentially what happened, I was going through a really difficult breakup and I was in this phase of like learning around, you know, self-development tools and listening to motivational talks. And I was kind of getting into that. And then my mom has a cousin called Rashma Sojani. And she was like, she's on a book tour. Why don't you just come and meet her? And I was like, I don't really want to come and meet your bloody cousin. Like, mm. I'm not interested. And my mom was like, just come. And I was like, fine. So I go to this lunch. And she is just like really intelligent, really smart, really dominant. You know, everyone was so impressed by her. She held her own. And I'd never really seen a woman like that. So I, I was intrigued. Mm -hmm. and I was, you know, attracted to that. Yeah. And that evening she said, I'm going to a, I'm hosting my own book launch. Why don't you come? So I went and again, there was like 30 women that were just like that. And I think growing up, I didn't see women who were strong. I didn't see women who had their own money. I didn't see women who had their own mindset. I didn't see women who had their own opinions. And so for me, I was instantly drawn to this woman who had that. And I was put in an environment where I could see that there are other people like that in the world. And so weirdly or coincidentally or, you know, destiny, whatever you want to call it, that summer, a month later, I was actually going to New York and she lived there. And I said, can I shadow you for a day? And at this time I was listening to Tom Bilyeu, Tony Robbins, Jay Shetty, and they all had these massive production houses. And she was like, I'm going to do a podcast. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, we're going to go into this like huge production house. And she took me into a tiny meeting room, like half the size of this one, no okay. windows and just a mic, none, nothing around you. And I was like, wait, what? What are you doing? And she was like, this is a podcast. I was like, 
well, I could do that. Mm, and yeah. so I remember I came back and I thought of different ideas. And then in 2020 at the start, before the pandemic hit, I actually recorded two episodes in person with two different people. One was Mira Manic, who was a published author, had her own cafe, like blue ticked at that time, had like 50,000 followers on Instagram. So it was like huge that I got her. It was like so excited. Yeah. Mm. The second was someone called Candice, who was a model who had like 100,000 followers. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like people actually, it wasn't difficult to get big guests on and people found it so nuts. Mm. But I was like, I just messaged them. Like nothing, yeah. it wasn't mm. that crazy. Like it wasn't like I had to message them five times. I just messaged them once and they mm. said, yeah. Um, and so I recorded with those two episodes. I actually took a camera to their house and I recorded in like one camera thinking it's gonna be a great video podcast. It was a shambles. I mean, the audio had like 150 pound mic in between us. Right. Um, that is real budget. Proper. One I, camera, but, that's proper budget. But I didn't know any different. Yeah. Like we're saying that's budget. I thought that's what people did. Yeah. I did not know. Yeah, you gotta start something. I, no, but as in I did not know, as in I'm not into tech, I'm not into film, I'm not into anything. Like right. I had zero idea. I thought that if there was a camera facing me, it could It would zoom look like in. it does on Diary CEO yeah, or something. Yeah. I just didn't know. I was so naive. I was so young. I just had no idea. How old were you at the time? Like 26. Right, okay. But like, I, I don't have a background in this. Like yeah. I, I can't explain it as in, I'm not somebody who even had like a proper, it was my friend's camera. It wasn't mm. even my camera. Right. You know, I pay, I didn't know what a tripod was. Right. I balanced her camera on top of like 20 books in her house. Uh, yeah. So like, I just didn't, I, I was just so clueless and I didn't know. And so when I watched the footage, I was like, okay, obviously can't release this as a video. This looks terrible. Um, And so I just released the audio and the audio, that 50 pound mic, I still have it. It worked for me for three seasons. Really? Really. You did three seasons on a 50 pound mic between two people? It then became me because we did it on one. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. But it was a great mic. Blue snowball ice. It was fantastic. I think it was actually 40 pounds. I think now it's 50 pounds at the time. It was much cheaper. But it really worked. And my first episode with Mira on that mic was number 10 in the charts in the UK. How did you get it to number 10? I have, I still have no idea, zero, nothing. Wow. I released, I'm recording, releasing a podcast. Yeah. And it was, I remember I delayed it because all that stuff was going on with Black Lives Matter. And I was like, it's not the time to release. So I think it was two weeks after that, I said, I'm going to do, I'm releasing my podcast. Two days later, I released that episode and I've got a notification being that you're number 10 in the charts. And I was like, what? Like, how? And And I remember at that point thinking, this is obviously a joke and a prank and everyone gets it. And that's where the imposter syndrome I realized had came in. Okay. Because automatically I thought, well, everyone everyone must get it. Because mm. why would mine be any special? I Like you said, I have a 50 pound mic. Yeah. <laughs> What's so great about it? And I think at that point is when I recognized that, okay, well, I have something. So in the first season, I only had one more episode, by the way. I sat on those episodes for six months and it was only in lockdown. I thought, okay, fine, I'll release it because everyone was telling me you need to release it. I made my cover art photo, which is still my cover art photo on Canva the night before. And it was a template called Singles Party. And I just changed it to a millennial mind instead of Singles Party. Wow. Um, So just a Canva template. And a basic one, not even Canva Pro. It's still now. my artwork now. And I tried to change it and get like a professional person in and everyone hated it on my Instagram. Everyone's like, this is awful. It doesn't <laughs> represent you. I was like, okay, I'll just keep Stick the free the Canva one, one yeah. you know? Um, but on that, when I started, when I released the first episode, I realized I had something. I didn't know what it was, but I realized there was something that was good about the podcast because people were really enjoying it. And so I only had one more episode left and I needed to release every week. So mm. within a week, I was reaching out to a guest, researching, 
recording the podcast, mm. editing, editing the podcast and releasing it every single week for 10 wow. weeks. And I remember, and again, remember, I'm no expert on how to edit and do all of this stuff. So I was figuring out how to do all of mm -hmm. that stuff too. And so at, at 10 weeks, I was just so exhausted. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna take a break and I'm gonna do season two. And, and this was, was alongside a full-time job at the time, is that right? Correct, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're still working as a lawyer? Um, I was a management consultant. Right. I actually never practiced law. Oh, okay, Yeah, I hated right. it so much, I couldn't do it. Um, so then I was working at Atos, which was an IT company, actually down the road, funnily <laughs> enough. Yeah. So when I was walking out, I was like, gosh, this is funny. Like, it's just like five doors down. So I was doing that. And after 10 weeks, I thought, okay, I need to take a break now. Unfortunately, I think when you want to take a break, you'll always find a reason to not start again. Like, oh, I'm not, I'm not ready. Oh, I haven't got this person. Okay, I've got time. Mm. And so it took like six months through the second season, which was the season I wanted to actually name the podcast, which was The Indian Expectation. Right. And it was all around the expectation around Indians. And again, in that season, I managed to get amazing guests. Okay. And people were asking, but this one was now on video. So I was, it was on Zoom. So I was on one side and someone else was on the other side. Um, and I had people from like Netflix shows and I had people who were like celebrities. And I felt that, okay, this is like crazy that people are saying yes. So there must be something that's going mm. well because they don't have a big audience. I had like 2000 followers. Why do you think they were saying yes? I still to this day don't know. I think, I think truly, actually, no, I do. I, I, I think it's because people could see how passionate I was about it. And that's what they always say to me. It's like, we could tell that you were gonna be good at it. But apart from that, I don't know. Mm. Like I still don't know, but I think that with Mira, who was the first person, now I'm really good friends with her. She always said to me that you came with a really clear idea of what you wanted to do and you were so passionate about it and you're so well-spoken that I thought you were gonna be a good podcaster. Does that, does that yep. make sense? Yeah, it does. So yeah. I think people just like believed in it that it was gonna be something good. I also think when it's on Zoom, it's not much of a commitment. True. Mm. Like to ask someone to come in person is a huge commitment. Yeah. That's really, that's a very good point. But on Zoom, you're just like, jump on. Like it's mm. so much easier. Did you notice a drop in, in listener base when you were on Zoom? I know kind no. of pandemic aside, obviously, because that was the only way you could do it at the time. Yeah. But the quality is not, is not as good. No, because I had the mic. But I just mean in terms of the video quality and oh, I mean like you know, um, camera angles and that sort of thing, it's harder to I actually I mean, it get. was just one, but you know, we're very advanced now. You know, yeah. back then everyone was doing everything on Zoom. Yeah. You know, Jay Shetty was on Zoom, Tom Billu was on Zoom. So yeah. camera angles weren't a thing. Hmm. This is what I'm saying. Like, it seems stupid now, hmm. but like camera angles were just not a big deal when you're in the pandemic because yeah. you just wanted to consume something. And this was at, like the back end of it now. So like when we were in that red zone, you know, those tears and all of that rubbish. Honestly, it feels like nuts. That I we're... think it was also three years ago. It's crazy. Yeah, that, that like, really trips me yeah. out. I was reflecting on the fact that the fact that so many of us used to wash our um, groceries. Did you do this? Mm. I never did that. Okay, mm. so I have a video <laughs> of my, I have a video. You got six months left. Yeah, clearly, I know. I'm. Uh, of yeah. like my auntie and uncle wiping down the milk bottle. Like all the groceries would have to be taken outside. You wipe yeah. them all down and then you put them in the house. And it's yeah. almost shocking how we just conformed. Like all of us were like, we yeah. have to do this. We're going to die. Yeah. You know, but anyway, um, I can't remember what I was saying. Just with the podcast then, I mean, obviously to get the guests on that you had on, yeah. do you have any advice to anyone who's listening about how to get those types of guests on? What worked for you? What didn't work for you? I think a lot of people, and I think this is a mistake people make with when they ask me as well to come on their podcast, they'll be like, we really want you to come on. Um, and they don't give me any benefit as to why it's going to benefit me. Like, why would I come onto your podcast? I think at the end of the day, we, what we've got to remember is that time is so important to everyone. And so if you're going to ask on someone else's podcast, always think 
what their goal is, what they want to do. So a lot of the time, if someone's released a new book, I'll say, I really, I'm really excited for the release of your new book. I saw the synopsis of it, and I really think it could help my audience with X, X, and X, and mm. therefore I'd be willing to put it into my yeah. da 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 da, mm. right? Because at the end of the day, there has to be a win for them, and mm. I think that's what people miss as well. Is that it's all about like me, me, me. Yeah. And often I think when people also ask to be on the podcast, it's never about the value that they can bring to the audience. Mm. It's always. I've done this and I've done that and I'm like that's great I feel like those are just whenever someone proactively says I want to be on your podcast in yeah. my mind it's always a bit of a red flag that well, is very true when I, I don't think, know yeah. really? I've, I've accepted quite a few have from you? That. okay yeah and it's worked well yeah but I've been really clear in terms of who I accept on that and who yeah, I don't because some people just want to come on and they say I, I really want to be on your podcast someone said to me the other day this person really wants to be on your podcast and I was like that's great uh, what are they doing about it? And they were like, well, they don't have a platform. I was like, was I born with one? And I was so angry. I was so annoyed at this point because I feel like it's such an easy thing to say, oh, I want to come to your platform and I want to raise awareness. Why aren't you raising awareness yourself? Mm. If you're really passionate about something, you'd be raising awareness. You wouldn't wait to jump onto someone else's platform to raise awareness about it because you don't care about that. You just want to help that one person. And a lot of the time people want to do a podcast or they want to start a YouTube channel and their values and their purpose isn't there. And I think mm. that's what we're seeing so much now is ever since short form content became a thing, we saw a massive rise in podcasts because people thought, I'll just chop it up using Opus or something really easy and it'll go viral and I'll mm, go viral. Yeah. It doesn't work. Mm. It, it, it just will never work. Mm. And I think a lot of the time you've got to figure out like, what are you doing to get to that goal? And what is your goal? And that's why I think going back to that topic of like when people are like asked to come on or you're yeah. asking to go on someone else's, you've got to make sure you're aligned. Yeah. I had a guest that came on the other day. Um, you should watch the podcast. It's called uh, the one with Tam Core. Okay. And she, at the end of it, was like, I, I was like, what? She talks a lot about manifesting. And I said, what's the craziest thing you've manifested? And she was like, in lockdown, I said, you know, re I was really working on myself. And, you know, I started listening to this podcast and I just felt like it was really aligned to what I wanted to do. And, you know, for me, I really wanted to go on it. But I knew that I had to figure out like what my message was first. I knew I needed to align my actions. And I knew that I needed to be talking around a topic to even get onto that podcast. And she said, for so long, I, I just thought one day that person is going to message me and that person is you. And it was my podcast and I had messaged wow. her. Wow. And she was like, even though I'm the, still the same person. And now, by the way, she's got like 700,000 subscribers on YouTube and Whoa. like double my amount of followers on Instagram. And I think yeah. triple my amount of followers on okay. TikTok. But at, at the beginning, she, she didn't have anything. She had like 2,000. And she mm. was like, if I came to you then, then I felt like I didn't have enough to share. And I didn't, even though my mindset is the same, I had to prove it and then mm. come on a podcast. And I'm like, this is the, this is exactly what I mean. It's like, align your actions, then work on them and then attract the opportunities. We think manifesting is like, I want to go on this person's podcast. They're just going to come to me. Mm. But I would never have gone to her if she wasn't an expert in her field. And it's only because she's become an expert that I've gone to her. Mm. Mm. And she knew that. So she was like, why yeah. would you have had me on? Even though I have the knowledge in my mind, what am I doing? to prove that I can help someone else. Mm. Yeah, that, the thing you said about the me, me, me thing uh, really stands out because I was asking an expert when I was learning how to do cold email marketing and I was trying to understand the best ways to get outbound outreach mm. and get it to convert higher. And I remember I sent him like a script that I had and I said, 
I thought this was a really great script, and I was like, "What was it?" Check. It was. It was just a script. To, it was just. It, it wasn't even about what I was. Uh, what I was marketing. It was more Fine. that I was learning how to do outbound, and uh, it was more the way I'd structured the email. I thought was really good, and I was like, "We've got this. We've got this. We do this. We do that." And uh, and he immediately came back and said, and he and he basically he he'd sent a screenshot of my email back. And he'd circled every single time I said like I or me. Wow. And he said, and you haven't said like you. You. And he said like, every single thing you've just done is talk about yourself. You haven't said anything about me. Yeah. And he and, and he he wasn't like a customer, but he was replying yeah. as if he was. Of course. And uh and as an expert in it, and I remember I was like, oh my god, that's so obvious. Yeah. It and is. I would ne- And but why do you think? Why do you think the natural inclination for people like us that try to do out outbound and spread a message in one way or another? Why do you think our like psychologically our gut reaction is to be like? this is what we do rather than this is how we can help you which seems obvious but well, I think it's so obvious to me the answer what do you think it is why we go there first yeah. well because we're inherently probably selfish I think it's because we're trying to justify interesting okay we're trying to tell people right this is what I'm so good at yeah. this is why I need you I need validation mm. tell me why I'm amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. hire me well no how can I help you and that service element is what's missing that, that value element is what's well. missing what's missing yeah because then you actually have to do it Mm. Right? Yeah, because it puts pressure on you to actually exactly. deliver on what you're saying. But we love to be validated. Mm. And especially with being online, it's like, I can achieve this. I can do this for you. It's very much around what can I do, right? And that's why you should choose me. Mm. And it's all I think it's all around validation. What do you think about the fact that podcasts are so everyday now? Like, yeah. I, I always hear the whole, like, everyone's got a podcast these days. Everyone's doing a podcast. Everyone's doing a podcast about this or that. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Do you think it's a good thing that there are so many podcasts? Do you have? Do you think it's a bad thing? I'm curious about your perspective on that. Um. Do I think it's a bad thing that there's three million books in the world? No. So why do I think it's a bad thing that there's so many podcasts? Why do you think podcasts get more hate? Like, if you say to someone you're it's a ridiculous. writer. Yeah. They don't go, oh, there's writer, so many books in the there's world. so yeah. many books. Mate, have you been to Waterstones? But when you say, like, you're a podcaster. <laughs> yeah, it's true. People just go, oh, of course, like, podcast. Well, I think because it's a new thing. And I do think it's because most people are doing it for clout mm. and for, and to go viral. And that's where the disconnect is. When you're writing a book, you're so invested into it. You know, it's taken you a long time. Yeah. You've had to go through loads of drafts. It's not easy. You've had to really conceptualize an idea. On a podcast, you don't necessarily have to conceptualize an idea. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to flow. You can just literally come on and talk yeah. Yeah. around sex and condoms like Alex Cooper and make 60 million in three mm. years. You yeah. know, it's wild. Yeah, it's so I think 60 million in three it's crazy. Is that really Alex? Yeah, it was like, was it Call million. Me Daddy, I think? Was Call it? Me Daddy, yeah. yeah. It's just like... million yeah. in three years. Yeah, yeah. she just talks around sex, blowjobs. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's yeah. fantastic for her. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's done all right. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I, I could do that. <laughs> but it's so great. And I think that's the thing is, is that with podcasts, they don't necessarily have to, you don't necessarily have to have intellect to do one. With a book, I think you do. Mm. With a podcast, you can just talk. Mm. The low barrier to entry. Mm. That's why. But I, I always give people that answer. I'm like, there's millions of books in the world. Why can't there be millions of podcasts? I've never considered it like that before. Yeah. I've yeah. now got that for my arsenal. I'm keeping yeah. it. Yeah. No problem. Um, so going back then, obviously, to when you were in season two, I think it was, you were talking yes. about. Um, You're still working full time at this point. Yeah. What was the sort of the turning point for you to think, right, okay, I'm going to go full time on what was the podcast? I'm assuming yeah, at the yeah, time yeah. you didn't have anything else like that. I did. That I had point. the planner. You had the planner. So I've always, yeah. I think I've always been somebody who very weirdly, I don't think consciously has always wanted to do multiple things. So when I was 
in my corporate job before I did the podcast I did modeling um then I went into like doing the podcast then I went into coaching and then I went into the performance planner so I always had something alongside the job and I, I enjoyed being busy I've, I'm, I've always been somebody like that has enjoyed doing multiple things if that mm. makes sense mm. um and again I was on season two and season three and even for season three I remember I was getting like master chef people on and getting people with like blue ticks on and you know at that time by the way I know everyone has a blue tick now because you can pay another 99 for it but at that time I was like I have 2,000 followers and people are blue tick and mm. like 40,000 followers are coming on my podcast like, yeah. this is a really big deal mm. but I wasn't seeing no growth like maybe 60 likes on Instagram maybe a hundred views on YouTube and it was demoralizing you know mm. it was really stressful and I was really trying to figure out what it was that I was doing wrong my savior as always in my story is Rashma who came from the US to the UK for um, a debate at Oxford Union and she was like do you want to come with me and of course I was like yes absolutely mm. so I went to the Oxford Union so posh honestly I was, was shocked I went there and as we were sat down for this debate we had dinner and this all makes sense in a minute. We had dinner, but we had no snacks, we had no drinks. We were sitting on these benches. I don't know if you've seen the Oxford Union. It's really, so if, if, you, if you go on YouTube and you go on the Oxford Union, I've it's like debates, one of the most yeah, prestigious yeah. debates, right? Yeah. And the thing is, it's like three hours. It's not comfortable. It's like sitting in a church, like one of those church benches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for three hours, I was so engaged. I was so focused and I really learned a lot. And it's so weird, but I was like, hold on, I didn't have a snack, I didn't have a drink, I didn't go to the toilet and hide, and I didn't want to get up, I actually was very engaged. Mm. Now when I'm watching TV, I can't do that. When I'm watching a movie, I can't do that. So what was it about this? It was the fact that it was discomfort. It was a debate. So like one person oh. was telling their, their opinion and another person was telling them another thing and I was like. I thought you were gonna say because of the conditions. No. Because if it was uncomfortable, there was no like easy snacking, there was no comfortable no. chair to lounge back in. You were you were forced to be more engaged. No, I would have fallen asleep normally doing those. Like, so I, I sometimes have to sit in uncomfortable situations and meetings and I'm like, oh my God, I want right, to right, sleep. Right. But it was more that the conversation was so engaging. Okay. And I thought, how can I apply this to my podcast? Because I then was watching my podcast thinking, this is so boring. Like, I'm so bored of hearing, like, oh, tell me your journey. Okay, yeah, where did you get to? Who cares? Mm. Who actually cares? I agree. And so I was like, okay, how can I apply this? And I thought, okay, it has to be more debatey. And when you're in a debate, they jab you. Mm. Like, if you're in a debate, if you listen to one of the debates, they are going in. And I was like, hmm... I'm actually quite I'm actually quite an aggressive person as a, like in general. And so if I I'm going to ask a question, it's not that I mean to be, it's just I'll be like what do you mean by that? Mm. And that is just my that is how I speak. But in the podcast I was going to I would be like, "Oh, so can you can you explain that to me in a bit more detail?" instead of being like that doesn't make any sense. I'm the, I'm the exact same. And I noticed myself doing it. I That was I, my biggest mistake. It, right. It was my biggest mistake because at that point I thought it needs to be more engaging because it's too flipping boring. But why don't I actually just start being a bit more like myself, being a bit more expressive, being a little bit more inquisitive and let me just see. Right? And at this point I also thought it's so flipping boring watching it on Zoom. I'm gonna I'm gonna invest in a studio. So I actually started out at London Podcast Studios. Mm. Um The Ops. Disaster. Um Really? Yeah, complete disaster because they didn't connect the mics to the camera. And so I was using the camera audio. <laughs> no, but this is how okay. stupid I was, even last year. This was last year, wasn't it? What I, I think yeah. 
end of, yeah, I think beginning of last year, I didn't recognize the difference. Wow. I couldn't tell the difference between a camera audio and a okay. mic audio. So I yeah. never said anything. It was only now when I listened to my YouTubes, I'm like, what was I yeah. thinking? Yeah. I'm paying yeah. for a studio and I'm using the flipping camera mic. Like, wow. what's wrong with me? If only there anyway. was a better studio in London that you could come to to record your podcast with <laughs> included edits and social media clips. The link is in the description and in the bottom of the video. Check it out now. Continue. What a nice plug. Thank you. Um, Not my first time. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was... So I basically got, was like, I'm going to invest in a studio. I'm going to do that. I had no idea who Stephen Butler was in January. This year? Last year. Last year, okay. I right, had right, no right. idea who he was. Right. And in January, there was an article that was written and it says Stephen Bartlett makes 1.8 million from his podcast a year. And two of my friends sent me that. And so I clicked on it and I was like, who is this guy? I sent the exact same article to him. Mm. Did you? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, who is this guy? And I was like, okay. And I started listening to his podcast. I became addicted to it. I loved it. One Friday afternoon, I'm sitting at work. I was having an okay day. I get, a, I get an Instagram DM from Reshma, my auntie. Again, I've yeah. told you she's a saver in my story. Uh, should I go on his podcast? And I was like, mm. yes. Mm. Yes, you should go on his podcast. And she was like, it's in LA. And I was like, wait, what date? I'm going to LA. And then she said, um, it's going to be on these dates. And I had not hadn't been to LA since I was a kid. And me and my boyfriend had, had planned to go there. We'd booked our flights yeah. to go on holiday on those exact same dates. Whoa. And I was like, this is, That's this is, crazy. This is nuts. Yeah. yeah. And then the day before, and this was, this was the weird thing. I really thought, I really believed that I was going to interview him. But I also didn't want to set myself up where I was so hyped for it, yeah. where I prepared so much that yeah. if it didn't happen, I was really disappointed. But now I'm like, that was so stupid because I should have prepared a bit more because I was just going with her to the podcast. It was never I was going to do a podcast with him. And I took my little camera. And when the podcast finished, I said to him, hey, do you mind if we record a podcast and he was like yeah sure and so imagine if it's a setup like this and i was like oh how should we imagine it's like me and you so i was like how should we like move the chairs and he was he just like looked at his producer and i and i, and I actually said this to my boyfriend i was like i bet you he's gonna let me use a setup and he said should we just do it here because why would we rearrange all of the yeah, furniture yeah. and all yeah, of that yeah, nonsense yeah. and in that moment i was like I, this is this is meant to be yeah, yeah this is so meant to be wow and i didn't ask him the questions of like the basic questions of tell me about your journey tell me this i was like why did you write this in your book you've written this in your book but this is what you do in real life what's the what's the disparity and that was the key i think that people really loved in that interview was when you interview someone like stephen bollett everyone's like oh how did you start diary ceo no one cares you know, everyone now cares because he's like, a, he's mm. grown it so tremendously. But at that time he was good, he was number one, but nothing he had done was like crazy revolutionary. Yeah. Even now, Stephen will tell you the same thing. I have an AI trackpad underneath my thing. Mm. I have six editors that do my work. I have Grace that tells me, we test everything on Facebook. We run eight ads. Once you've listened to it in a podcast once and you're a huge fan of his, you want to know what the underlayer is, mm. right? Mm. And um, that podcast changed so much for me because I interviewed the number one person in the game who said to me that I have the potential to be number one. And that gave me the self-belief wow. that I really, really needed. Because I don't know if you've seen the podcast, in the podcast, he's like, if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll be number one. You'll be, he said, you'll be number one in five years. And he was like, you will be 100%. That's enough of a message. That's, that's, yeah. that would so, send shockwaves up my spine. Yeah, it was. And so for me, I felt really boosted and really, I guess, what I'm doing and, and you know, the podcast game, you know, it's very new. A lot of people don't know where the potential is, right? Yes, okay, the potential's in sponsors. Yeah, okay, the potential's in like making a bit of money on social media, but nobody knows the actual scalability of it. And mm. I think there's huge scalability. I agree, completely agree. And there's not very many podcasts in the UK, I don't think, that are doing really crazy things. Yes. 
And for me in that moment, I was, you know, I still am a small podcaster, I would say. And I, in that moment was thinking, okay, well, I really need to make this number mm. one. And I, I didn't have that self-belief. I didn't have that confidence. And he just gave that to me. And he didn't have to give it to me. And so for me, I just thought, okay. And I came back to the UK and he did a whole LinkedIn post about how brave it was that I asked. And again, I think there's these small things in life and everybody has them, by the way, of things that you do that other people are like shocked by. Me asking Stephen was not a big deal. I, I still to this day can't understand why everyone is so shocked yeah, by I, it. Yeah, I, I, I can't mm. see that to be honest with you. But Stephen did a whole post about it. He then, when I came back from LA, he then just spoke about it on the Davina McCall podcast and was like, nobody does this. And in my head- But that I, to me seems, I 100, I mean, I'm not like, oh, I would have that, but I genuinely feel like yeah. if I'm in a room with the biggest podcaster and I want a podcast, I would be You're like- You're gonna ask them. Fuck it, just suck it up. Uh, Stephen, look, the worst you can do is say no, Stephen. Exactly. So I, yeah, I get but that. But it was that, people found it so crazy and people still find it so crazy that I did it. And I'm like, I don't understand it. Mm. And I think th this is what I wanted to kind of go on to is that there's things that you can naturally do. Like I'm genuinely not that afraid. Like I was swimming with Harry Styles one day randomly and then I waited outside his changing room to ask him for his number you know really yeah I that's outside. so baller Can yeah you please say that again but I it but as in I I just don't think it's that crazy yeah. that wait, is... hang on that's so wild you can't just drop that and then be like but anyway <laughs> like no no so wait you were swimming with Harry Styles I was at Soho farmhouse and me and my boyfriend were staying there right and it was like five o'clock and it was very dark and it was in the winter he was like let's just go for a swim and I was like no it's bloody freezing I don't want to go for a swim but it's a heated pool so we were like okay fine let's go before dinner as I'm swimming, I'm like looking up opposite me and I'm like, that's flipping Harry Styles. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Harry Styles. He's swimming directly to me. I'm like swimming, so I obviously hold back. And then I like track next to me and I'm like, it is Harry Styles. And then I'm like to my boyfriend, like, it's Harry Styles. And he's like, what? I don't understand what you're saying. And your boyfriend's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> he was just like, I don't understand what you're saying. Uh, but also, Harry Styles is not like the music we listen to, apart from Waterman and Sugar High is the only song I know. Um, so he didn't really know. He was a bit confused. He was like, oh, the One Direction guy, you know? Like, because he doesn't really, he's older. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, it is. And then I stayed in the pool for as long as he was in the pool. He went inside, I swam inside. And then he didn't get out of the pool. And I was like, oh, for God's sake, this is so embarrassing. And then as I was coming up, he was going down and I stood outside and I was like, I, I should go and ask him. And then I said to the staff members, I was like, is he gonna be here tomorrow? And they were like, we obviously can't tell you that. And I was like, oh, for God's sake. And my boyfriend was like, just do it. And I was like, oh God, it's so embarrassing. I waited outside of his changing room wow. with a cup and a pen. And um, actually I think it was a tissue and a pen. And then when he came out, I got a bit flustered. And I said, can you write it on my hand? And he was like, I'll just write it on a cup. But what did you actually say? I said, hey, Harry, um, I really love your music. Uh, I would love to have you on my podcast. Can I have your manager's email? He said, yeah, sure, I'd love that. But I didn't have my phone. Yeah. Because I was swimming and yeah, I was staying there. Yeah, so I didn't yeah, take my phone for the yeah. one time. And I also didn't have my change of clothes because I was staying there. So I just put my gown on. Yeah, yeah. Nightmare. Always take your phone everywhere with you. Yeah. Also, I looked like a drowned rat. I had no makeup <laughs> on. My, my hair was all wet. It was a disaster. And uh, he, gave me his, he gave me the email. We still haven't had a podcast, but the point is, is you should never be afraid to ask anyone. Completely agree. agree more. Ever, ever, ever. Like, it's the same thing with us when getting our guests on. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. So I think it's really important to not have that wall up and mm. to put yourself down in that situation. So in terms of like growth, because you were saying you were at the point where you were getting like 60 yes. likes on a post and 100 views on YouTube. 
what was the kind of what was the main catalyst mm. to getting to that next step because i think that's where so many podcasters stumble do you know the stat about the percentage of podcasts no, that tell me. oh it's, it will this it'll make you feel quite good insane so out of out of all the podcasts that are started i think if you get uh, i think it's like what percentage doesn't get past episode 90 percent doesn't get past episode three what of people who start podcasts yeah 90 percent doesn't get past episode three and to get past episode is it 100 or 50 no it was 20 episode 20 it's like 99 percent of that 10 percent. stop it yeah yeah so if you get if you do a podcast and you do 20 episodes you are officially in the top one percent of podcasts i don't know about that that is a fact Really? I need, I need to see that. I'm like nervously looking at Barney like, we've got the stats, right? I know a lot of... What? Really? But no, genuinely, yeah. In terms of they looked at all they looked at all aggregate podcast data and then they looked at the amount of that started that then stopped within X amount of episodes and then within X amount of episodes and it was like 90 by episode three. They just quit. And Because I think that... But I, it does it does track. Because if you think about it, think three about the amount is, of yeah. times someone out there is with a friend and they're like, having a laugh and they're like mate imagine this but on camera that's what they think it is dude they go imagine this but on camera and they go dude it would actually be sick wouldn't it It yeah yeah yeah. it would be sick and then they do it and they go i found a studio and then they book it yeah and then they do one and they're like okay well it's going to take a bit of time to get into it yeah of course then they do a second one they're like like, this this editing is a nightmare yeah yeah harry have you got the clips oh sorry mate i was literally my work was so it's like okay well harry do the clips and then they do one more and then they kind of should we work another one oh fuck it mate it's a bit long in it like you know that clip got three views on instagram like fuck it (laughs) and then that's it and i think that is 90 percent. it really does make sense and then to get to 20 you do 10 episodes mm. and then you're like, oh, this is long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The editing, the guests, the, the, it you is. know, it's like, it's it's a lot of work. No, it is. It and is. I think people just think you hire a room, pop yes. an email out. Do you want to come on my podcast? Yeah, sure. What time? Yeah, 2 p.m. Yeah. Sweet love. See you then. Yeah. Done. That's not how it goes. <laughs> no, no. It's hard. It is, it is really, really hard. Yeah. And I think only if you, if you see one and you see the production value of it behind it, you see, you know, how hard it is. 100%. Um, so yeah, for that growth that you were talking about from that level of, you know, 100 views, 60 likes, whatever it is, how did you get that next step in, in exposure and in audience? Because I think I that's got the studio. Okay. So the studio really helped me because um, I was able to leverage better guests. So again, in the studio, I had 2,000 followers, okay? But for some reason, I also felt that when I was meeting people, I was able to secure a podcast with them, which was really great because at the time, um, my first person in the studio was this girl called Amira who was doing this app called Join My Wave. I think she had over 100,000 followers on Instagram. Wow. Uh, and she said yes. The second was somebody called Kishan Badalia, who was a doctor and a DJ. And he'd been on tour and I'd be there with like, um, I can't Fat Man Scoop, is that the DJ? Can't remember. Okay, yeah. Anyway, hit a DJ, so it was really cool. And then the third one was Roxy Nafusi. And again, this is, I have Roxy's YouTube, who's the Sunday Time bestseller for 25 weeks in a row, a joke, like never heard of, amazing, doing so well. But she said yes to me again when I had 2000. And I remember after Roxy's episode is when I went to LA and then I did Stevens. And the podcast grew from like, as in at that point I was on 6,000 followers. And I started on two, if we remember Mm. with the whole modeling Mm. situation. So it was very, very slow. But at this point is when I was being invited to like PR stuff and I started to go into events. And so things were picking up for me where people were like, Shivani has a podcast now. Because once it happened in the studio, people took me a bit more seriously. And then when I went to LA and I obviously shared the Steven story, that did really well. Mm. But I still didn't grow that much on Instagram or on YouTube because it was just one episode, if we remember. When I came back, I got a brand new studio and that was that purple outset 
yeah. the studio. And I got my first guest in that studio was Harpreet, who was the winner of The Apprentice. Right. So okay, yeah. incredibly topical. And that mm. is when I started asking really aggressive questions. And I cut up the trailers really aggressively. So I was like, did you do it for fame? Why did you bother going on if you have a successful business? And I was really aggressive Damn. in my questioning. And TikTok hated me. Like, people were like, you're a bitch. Like, shouldn't you be supporting? <laughs> yeah, but that gets you growth, though. That wasn't my intention, though. Because with Stephen, the reason I think that podcast did so well is because even though, first of all, it was ad hoc. So people, so well, yeah, you can ask a question, but then to make a good interview out of it is a different situation. Mm. But it was because I had in the back of my head, don't ask him those basic questions, right? Because I had that, I didn't also want to ask Harpreet, tell me about your business. No one cares about the, your business. Everyone cared about why did you even go on The Apprentice? What yeah. value are you going to get out of it? How much do you invest into it? What's what's the impact of it on you? Mm. And so Stephen's was the first one where I tried and tested that kind yeah. of aggressive questioning method. And then Harpreet, I went in too hard. And then I did, after her, Shannon Singh from Love Island. Again, very topical. Yeah. And I was asking her questions again in that in that tone. But I to started to tone it down a little bit because I was like. But with Harpreet, was it a thing where did he like say, "Dude, what are you doing? This is what are you like? Why are you being like this?" Who said intense? that? Oh, it's a girl. No, no, I'm saying Harpreet. Oh, when yeah, you had yeah. him on. She's a girl. She's a girl from the apprentice. Yeah, okay, because yeah. I haven't seen the apprentice. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. She's so a woman. So when you had her on and you said no, you were super she aggressive. loved it. Okay, so she didn't actually have a problem with it. Before I go through any podcast, I will always tell the guests this is what we're going to talk about. Are you comfortable yeah. with it? Okay. And she said, actually, this is the best one I've done because everyone constantly asks me the same questions. Yeah. And that's what that's why pod, there's so many podcasts out there right now because yeah. no one had asked her. Okay, well, actually, did you go on it for fame? And mm. if you if you're already successful, why join the Apprentice? Everyone wants to know that. I don't know why Everyone someone wouldn't ask someone that. That seems like the obvious question to ask someone who went on the Apprentice. Did you go on it for fame? Yeah, no one was asking that. You're not Fair gonna ask to somebody. The difference is, if you had Stephen Bartlett in right now, would you actually get a quote from his book and contradict him on it? Probably not. No, probably yeah. not. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. So I had a book quote from him that he said, "You're not judged by your status, your car, your money, your wealth, your bank account." And I asked him, "You just said this, but every single person on your podcast is one of those things. Why have you not interviewed a homeless person if you believe that?" Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so yeah. I started learning how to be comfortable with those questions because yeah. I've always been someone who's thought like that anyway. Mm. And so with Harpreet, it was like if you everyone goes on The Apprentice and says they're so successful, right? You got you. I don't know if you watched The Apprentice, but they go I on there and they're to. so arrogant, right? They're like, I yeah. don't need you, da, da, da. and it's yeah. like, well, well so then, why are you the best businessman in the world? Yeah. yeah. So why are you on the show? And I think I just used to ask it in that way. But with Harpreet, I tested it and I felt it was too harsh. She was very comfortable with it. She loved the interview. We we got along really well. But the feedback was like you. It, it seemed like I was being a bit unsupportive. And then after that, I started testing it now. So now my my method of saying, like I had someone on yesterday who was talking about money. And I was like, that's all very well and good. But like, I'm a single mother. I can't afford to, to save 500 pounds a month. Like, what do you want me to do? And he was like, can you save one pound? Can you save two pounds? And I was like, no, I can't. And he was like, it's a choice. And I was like, how can you tell me it's a choice? And he was like, I was on six figure sums and I was living in an apartment on a mattress and I was paying less than $400. It's a choice. And I was a bit like, mm, okay, fair enough, mm. right? Mm. But a lot of people would just not question in that way. And I think you have to become comfortable with what's your style. So if you're really expressive and that's your style, stick to it. Mm. Don't stick to the boring podcast questions of like, yeah, tell me how you're doing. Mm. And that's, and that, and you have to, I think you have to like be okay with the backlash as well from that. Like I do get backlash mm. all the time. And there's sometimes things I've said that I've gone super viral like last year 
Actually, we'll talk about that in a minute. But mm. my point is, is that you have to be okay within yourself and then I think the growth will come. And that's how that growth did come. So I think last year I was growing. So after that, the studio, I remember so specifically, I came back in March from Stephen and I had 6,000. And in June, when I was in Marrakesh, I reached 10K. And it was very, very slow. Yeah. I remember thinking like, oh my God, this is taking forever, right? Um, then, I'm not sure. I think it was just the consistency with the podcast. I was being invited to a lot of stuff. I felt like my name was being a bit more out there. And okay. so I was growing slowly, slowly, slowly. I then wanted to do an episode on are big weddings a waste of money? Because I'm Indian. Okay. And I think we all have got our priorities wrong. And I think that why are we spending, for an Indian person, by the way, and for somebody in my community, and this is gonna seem disconnected and it's gonna seem out of touch and whatever, but it is a fact that a lot of people spend between 50,000 and 100,000 pounds on their wedding, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and that's what is normal for a lot of people. It's not, a, I don't think that's a good use of money. Right. I didn't. I didn't. It was funny. What's funny is I'm not married, and I don't really. I know one person that's married, like in, in my really. Yeah. So to me, and I'm always hearing how expensive weddings are. So I think for some reason in my head, because the whole like culture says like the world, yeah. like oh, weddings are an expensive thing. You said yeah. your wedding from any culture. Yeah. I, I assumed weddings probably did cost like 50, 60 k. I probably assumed yeah. that. I actually thought Indian weddings would be way more expensive. A hundred thousand pounds for one side of the family is really expensive. I think. It is. Oh, so one side. No, no, it is. it is really expensive, but I also think... Also, 100,000 pounds for like a whole wedding is expensive, I think, in my opinion. But if you want to have a lavish wedding, like I think the basic people would say is 50,000 for me, 50,000 for me. That's 100K. Yeah. Mm. 100,000 pounds. No, it's is a, a lot, lot of money. Yeah. I think, I think what I was trying to say is because... And I'm that's always, an average one, yeah. It's, it's not a lavish Indian wedding. That's, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hearing everyone always says from anywhere, like, yeah. "Oh, weddings are so expensive. Oh, you got to yeah. save the wedding." And I'm like, "Well, how much people actually? I mean, are people?" Fucking the thing is, for an English wedding, you just have one day, right? Yeah. For an Indian wedding, you have like four days, mm. so that's why right. it's so expensive. Right, so right, that's right. why. So it depends, obviously, where you want to have it. But I reckon you could do a registry and a party after for like 30k, couldn't you? Yeah. I reckon. I don't know. I have no, I have yeah, no that, idea. Yeah. If not less, yeah. Yeah, if not less, right? So for an Indian wedding, like. 100k for both is like for combined um is what the average is and that sounds stupid but like people are spending that much money anyway my point has been since i was a child i've never cared about a wedding i actually think they're so stupid i do want to get married i would like to say yeah. and i do not don't think the, the the concept of marriage is stupid but i was seeing so many people struggling in their relationship because they were living with their in-laws or they were living in a really small flat or a house but they spent so much money on their wedding, like 150,000 pounds on yeah, their wedding. Yeah, that is mental. And I was like, what What are you doing? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Or it's like people that are working at Tesco's and financing like a Range Rover. And you're like, what doesn't the make fuck any are sense. Doing, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I really wanted to do this topic. Now I knew that this podcast was gonna do well. I, I just knew it. I did, the actual episode didn't Clip go. that for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the actual episode didn't actually go viral or anything. Right. But I, I knew it was a very contentious thing. I knew a lot of people felt this way because we had also just come out of COVID. And people were like, we've just come out of COVID. People were okay with having small weddings. Why are we going mm. back to ginormous weddings? You know, this was a time for us to reflect and think we don't need to have a thousand people at our wedding or 500 people at our wedding. We can, it's okay if you have a hundred. It's not a big deal. I said this quote around don't ask me when I'm getting married because as a 28-year-old South Asian girl, everyone was constantly asking me when I was getting married. And I was so just when are sick you getting married? <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. I was just sick of it. And that so must I just, great on you after a while. I just said it. And it was not planned and I have no idea what happened, but I uploaded it onto my Instagram on a Friday. You just said what? 
I said, don't ask him. Oh, I you said, said don't oh, sorry. ask me, right. Sorry, I thought you'd seen it. The clip was, I said, I find it very annoying and I kind of find it illogical when people say to me, when you're getting married, how do I know? And then I kind of went into this whole spiel of like, it's not coming from a bad place, but the girl doesn't know. Like, why are you asking me? Ask a boy. I'm not going to propose. So mm. why are you always asking me when I'm getting married? And I was very expressive in that. And that's what people said, because I was very much like, I don't, I don't know. But it was very natural. I didn't even think that it was going to be a hook. What I do remember is my editor clipping another bit. And I said, no, no, you have to clip the bit about asking when I'm not getting married, because I know people, I know people feel the same way. I did not know it was going to go so viral, though, because I uploaded that on a Friday on my Instagram, and I remember some random account with, like, 400 followers on TikTok uploaded it onto theirs, and they got a million views in a day. Really? And, I, and they didn't even tag me. Wow. Okay. So I remember on the Sunday waking up, and I had 17,000 followers at this point, by the way, and I remember, or 15,000, and it went up to, like, 17,000 on Instagram, and I was like, oh, whoa, that's quite a lot. And I remember saying on my Instagram story on a Sunday morning, like, is it weird that this person has done this and they should have tagged me and people were people were mixed some people were like no it's not that weird yeah you should have done da. that week i went from like seventeen thousand to fifty eight thousand followers Whoa. on instagram and i'd uploaded the same clip on my tiktok mm. and it just wasn't going viral yeah but what happened was i basically commented on every single one of the comments on that girl's yeah. video and it led them to my instagram mm. okay and that clip went to like 2 million on Instagram within that week. I think it's mm. on like 5 point something million now. It's ridiculous. Wow. But I grew like that. And I was so shocked. As in I never knew Instagram growth could be like that. No. And I couldn't really believe that so many people were resonating with that one clip. It was it was so crazy. And then what happened after was just a snowball effect. Because I had several other clips like that. That just hit 2 million, 3 million, 4 million. And I was just growing. And it was really hard for me because... In the first time I grew, when I said I grew from like 17 to 55, I was kind of like, okay, this is a fluke. It's not going to happen again. But then I grew to like 85 by October. Okay. And that that was in August. That Mm. was in August I grew, by the way. August. And then in October, I was on like 60. October, I was on 87. Was that off the back of any one clip or was that just organic? Just, it was all organic. All, no ads, nothing. And then it was actually, then I decided to quit my job because I thought, if this clip is going viral and I was getting loads of deals coming in, I was seeing the potential with where I could go. I was like, if I can really focus on the podcast, then how many more videos can I make like this? Mm. Because at that time, I was recording in my lunch break. I was recording after work. I I had zero holidays left. Mm. I used every single holiday for the podcast. Mm. I had no more holidays left, so I had to make a decision, like, what am I going to do? And Mm. I was like, I can't give up at this point. I've just finally grown, so let me just take the risk took the risk and I was just growing and growing and growing. And Were you making it, any money from the podcast? That yes, one? I was. Okay. And this is the thing I want to tell people as well. You should never ever quit unless you've got a proof of concept. Yeah. I had seven different revenue streams and that's not to show off and I wasn't making loads of money. That's to show that I had proof of concept in every single one. And were they all so, related to the podcast? All related to the podcast. I had the podcast. I had the coaching. I had the planner. I had my corporate events. I had um, ads on Instagram, YouTube, and I had, uh, what's it called? Like YouTube revenue paying me as well. Yeah, yeah. So I had, I had different things. And the coaching, the podcast, and the ads were three big ones. I was making more than my salary. Mm. So it wasn't like I was making loads because you have to account for tax and all of that rubbish. But the thing is, is that I had a proof of concept. And I thought, okay, let me try. It's about having different revenue streams because I think that's the most important thing people have to remember. Even if that is the fact that you have a YouTube revenue stream 
which yeah. is just like the AdSense, it's still a revenue stream. So you know you mm. can you can scale that, right? Mm-hmm. Even if that's a consulting fee or whatever it is, however small you think it is, just remember that it is one because you can always scale something. And that's why I think that's what made me quit as well. It's like I was like, I'm not making loads of money and I'm not making a consistent amount, but I am making some in each pocket of these. Mm. And so how can I scale those? Right? And mm-hmm. that's what I really wanted to do. Um so this time last year I was on 87K and I remember before the end of the year, I don't know how I thought of this, but I thought if I, I remember I got invited to speak at McKinsey and that would change so much for me. Again, my imposter syndrome was, this is obviously a prank and a joke. How did you get that? I, I still don't know. But how did you actually get that? They emailed me. They emailed you? They emailed me. Off the back of watching one of your episodes Correct. The and we're like, we love what you're talking about. would love for you to come into my team. Interesting. And talk around goal setting. Wow. And I thought it was a... That's a huge moment, okay. Yeah, and I thought it was a prank because I thought, yeah. why would McKinsey, the best consulting firm in the world, one that I never even thought a dream of applying for, especially I was a consultant before, have emailed me. So anyway, the point was that happened a few times with different companies. And this time last year, I don't know what, what came over me. I must have just thought, I still don't know. But now I think back, I thought, I must have just thought, should I do this workshop myself? And so I set up my own goal-setting workshop. I advertised it on Instagram two weeks before Christmas and we had 75 people that turned up and now I think gosh how did I do that Mm. I don't know but last year I just must have seemed to be I think I was just so hungry and on this role Mm. I was also really really pushing myself in ways that I hadn't before and I was just so excited I remember feeling waking up at like 5am and being so excited and this year has been very different for me by the way and uh, I thought nothing could stop me how, how has this year been very different for you? I'm going to come on come on to that. Okay. It will make sense in a minute. So I felt that it was really, I was just pushing myself. I did the workshop. It hit 100K before the end of the year. And again, I thought, okay, it was a bit of a fluke the first time, but I'm consistently pushing this growth. Again, January started and I took two weeks off in January because I was so tired. Yeah. And um, that was when I met Harry Styles and I remember Spotify got in touch with me then and I remember thinking like, oh my God, this is like, this is crazy. And so many things were happening for me. I got invited to do a TED talk. So I was praying for a TED talk. I was getting so many emails from publishers being like, we want you to write a book with us. It just felt everything was just on a roll. And then in February, I went to India for my cousin's wedding. And I had actually planned this when I had a full-time job. I wanted to do a podcast season in Mumbai. And I wanted to call it Mumbai's Millennial Mind because the goal isn't just to hear the stories of people here, it's to do it abroad as well. Mm. And so I was in Mumbai and I had only six podcasts booked in but while I was there people were so collaborative and I did 16 in four days wow and we finished the wedding and I don't as you know Indian weddings it was a five-day wedding yeah. four-day wedding I was so tired we landed in Mumbai at like 10 o'clock that evening 7 a.m the crew were in my room setting up and I've never been more tired in my entire life and again I was getting really really big guests in and that was a real I think wake up call for me because I was so 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 tired and at the end of it I just remember thinking like oh my God, never again. Mm. And my brain was fried. And when I came back, I had 16 episodes and I had to can half of them because they were just absolute garbage. I was asking the same questions. I'll tell you about your journey. I I didn't research Mm. them. Mm. I didn't know them. How did I have time to do it? On the last day, I did six episodes in one day, six hours of recording back to back. 
And that really made me think. That... And for context, by the way, people at home, doing one episode takes an hour of you. Yeah. You do one hour, an hour and a half, and you come away, yeah. you're like, whew, that was, you know, yeah. being on the spot talking. Your brain is engaged. You're thinking yeah. of questions, thinking of what they're saying. And you haven't responses. met these people before. Yeah. You haven't, you don't know anything about them. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you're just trying your best to mm. make sure you're getting the best out of them as well. And I remember when I came back, I was so burnt out. So, so burnt out. And I think I didn't realize that because the last year I was so hungry and passionate that this year I just really thought I was lazy and I thought that I no longer cared and I thought that I got complacent so I was then pushing myself to do more stuff and that's why this year has been really different for me last year I was so not focused on my health I like I didn't care I was so skinny I look at my photos now and I think how was I so skinny and I think I was just under an immense level of stress I never went to the gym I never made time for myself Mm. I never saw anyone. I'd go to an event, meet podcast guests, do the podcast. I was obsessed. And I still am obsessed with it. You know, I still love it more than anything in the world. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here when I'm ill. Like, no matter what, I will always go to a podcast. Like, yesterday I had the same situation. And someone was like, do you want to cancel? And I was like, never. Like, I will never cancel. I would literally, if I broke my leg, I would be doing it. You know? Because I love it. Mm. But the point is, is that this year I was forced to take a step back. Because I genuinely could not think of new ideas. Mm. And at that point, I realized that I can never do that to myself again. You can, you can never get to a point where, where I'm doing like ten epi- six episodes in a day. It yeah. was stupid. Yeah, but do you much. think that there's an argument that at least at one stage, you kind of have to go through that? Because like, you hear a yeah. lot of people talking about that. You know, Mr. Beast talked about that, yes. um, where he was just, he said he would wake up and do a, a YouTube call with other small, he had about maybe 10K at the time, 10, yeah. 20K. And he knew a couple of other YouTubers that were around the same level and he said every single day we would go on Skype at 10 a.m. and sometimes we'd be on Skype for three hours and sometimes we'd be on Skype until midnight for like Mm. 14 hours and you know you hear it with martial artists you hear it with musicians you know you hear it there's this phase where you go through where you just you you don't Everything else does have to take a backseat. Hundred percent. And uh, and I think I'm in that phase right now. Um, you know, Barney and I are working on a, a separate project, and with everything that we've got with the studio and with the podcast and everything else, I haven't been going to the gym. Yeah. I haven't been eating terribly, but I haven't been eating great. Yeah. Um, I, my sleep hasn't been great. Yeah. But I'm always working, and I'm always like, sometimes I'll be up until four a.m. thinking of ideas and writing things down, and I know I should sleep. But if the ideas are coming, it's you're in flow state. You don't want to let it stop. I agree. So you just run through with it. And it's like, and I know that is this advice I would say for longevity? Of course not. But right now at the stage that I'm at with all the different things I have going on, I think I'm okay to sacrifice a bit of my health and a bit of everything else because that's a sacrifice to get to that next level where you have the luxury to be like, okay, I have more systems in place. Maybe I have a bigger team. Now I can focus on getting back in the gym and doing this. But right now, nothing else matters to me other than building my vision. I love that. And I, I would encourage you to do that. I think I what that's not what I'm saying. I think the mistake I made with the podcast is I did too many and I failed at that, in my opinion. Mm. I don't think they were good enough episodes. It mm. was the mistake that I made right. of like piling. Yeah. I literally finished my job, was growing my audience. By the way, it was only me at this point. There was nobody else helping me. Then I did the workshop completely by myself to run an event. I had never run an event in my entire life to do tickets, to do a system. Yeah. I had no idea, Shopify website, I had no idea. I just designed a brand new performance plan. They were all coming in. I had no clue what I was doing. And then I did a TED talk and then I did Mumbai's Millennial Mind and I was speaking, like, I don't speak Hindi. I was like trying to speak to the crew members, trying to organize it, trying to do all of that. I felt that it was, I was doing too much at one time of, of what I didn't know. And actually the end result wasn't what I wanted is right. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So I think that, there is a 
I think I'm trying. I'm trying to say, say this in a nice way. I think a say, lot it, of, say it in whatever way you want to say it. I I think a lot of people have become like, oh, we need to look after ourselves and just rest when we want. Yeah, you can. You if, just if you want fifth place. If exactly. Yeah. Like, I went to an event recently and someone said everyone's a winner no they're not yes thank you <laughs> no they're not yeah and i think that it's 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 you don't harsh. deserve the same accolades if i work harder than you it's I, not it's, about working hard it's 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 also just about like look the reason why people say nine to five and, a, and a, an entrepreneurship is different is because one is where you're really obsessed and you're passionate about it and one is when you're doing it for the sake of it it's the energy you bring and put into something and you, in order to not work like 10 to 10 or whatever your 12 to 12 is, you do have to put that hard work in at the beginning. And I think online, what we're seeing is this hustle culture, but people I don't think are working that hard. I think people love to pretend that they're working I hard. I completely That's agree. True. So I, I can't, what, did you say to me in the lift, oh, is it the event you've got to go to? Is it hard work? And I think I, I, think I said to you like, no. Mm. And I see so many influencers saying, I work from eight till 10 and I still work as hard on my corporate job. And I went yeah, for a yeah. breakfast meeting this morning and then I went, yeah. I'm like, do I think going to an influencer event is hard? Absolutely not. Does it use my brain power? No. Do I have to network? Yes, of course. Yeah. Is that hard? No. Yeah. And it might be hard for some people, for sure. But is that you hustling, grinding, yeah. working really hard? In my opinion, no. Going to a movie premiere is not hard work I agree. for me. Yeah. And I think we've like merged this into one. It is a work activity, 100%. Is it hard work? No. Mm. Do I sometimes have to go to events because I have to make connections and meet people? Yeah. Do I, do I count that as me working for the day? No. But I personally don't count that. I wouldn't count that as like an eight to eight day. Yeah. I would count that as my leisure time where unfortunately I have to network with people. That's Sorry. savage. Why is it savage? No, I, well, I think it's savage because I don't think anyone would, would classify it like that. I think even but I'm guilty of that. It's a bit stupid. No, but I think the argument is that like, if you if you acknowledge that, let's say a networking event, right? Yeah. If you acknowledge that you ideally, you don't want to be going to that networking event, but you know that it's something that's going to uh, enhance your professional career. Yes. Then that is a work activity, and therefore, yeah. if it's something that if you would not be choosing to do it in your free time or personal time, yeah, it would qualify as work because it is work. You don't. You're this not, is you're work not... for me for yeah, sure. Exactly. But right now, I'm missing out on doing my own work. Yeah. So I still have to do my work when I get home. Yeah. Does that, that make sense? And I think that's what I'm trying to say is like people will say like this is work. Yeah. So I've done. Let's say this was I don't know. Let's say we did three of these today. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Then you'd go go home and be like, well, I've done my work. I've done my work because I've done three podcasts today. But no, you haven't. Mm. Well, that, no, but That's that, what I'm saying. No, but in that situation, that's because you've got work left over. No. Th this, is what I'm, this, is, this is the difference I'm trying to say. Going to one of these events is not work for me. It doesn't count as my work. It's something I have to do additionally. It is a work event, but it's not something I see as like, I've worked hard today. Mm. Does that make sense? Not, it doesn't. Well, I think, that, I, think, I think we're agreeing, but we're saying different things. Yeah. I think that I'm not saying it's not, I'm not, I agree that it's not hard work. Yeah. But I think that when you've worked, let's say an eight hour day yes. on various different actual work things, and then you're tired and you're hungry, but you have to then go to central a work thing, for yeah. a three hour work thing. Yeah. And you're fucking exhausted and you have to go, oh, hi. Oh, you've got this. Yeah. It it's is tiring. fucking work. Of course now, it is. Now, is it hard work? Is it as hard yeah. as like you know working as a nurse or like grinding eight hours in an office when you've got back-to-back -back meetings whatever of course it's not no but i think it's definitely not 
fun or not always fun some no. events obviously are but it's definitely not fun a movie premiere is probably a bit different but yeah. you know going to some of these networking events and you've got hi i'm clive on your top and it's just, it's it's a grind it is a grind but life is a grind exactly and i think we've just got to let go of this image that like everything is easy everything's it's just yeah if you want to be successful it's not easy it's not easy for anyone these quick yeah. rich like these people are like i make five thousand pounds a day on tiktok no you don't mm. And maybe you do, but you've like spent years and years yeah, perfecting yeah. what you're doing, or this mm. drop shipping thing that everyone's yeah, doing yeah, yeah. now. And you know, I think there's so many quick um, get rich fast schemes, and I just I don't believe in that. Mm. I want to, sorry, just to go back. You were talking earlier about the excitement and the hunger that you had first yes. year that you were doing this yeah. when you actually went on full time. Mm-hmm. Like how how did you find that? How did you find that hunger? How did I you find it. that excitement? No, but how, no, not as in, I like, don't how know. Did you I don't know. Like, I need to get back. How did you know that that was like? <laughs> that was the right thing to do and that's what I need to spend my time doing and this is what's going to work. Like I how, didn't, I how didn't. did you find that? I didn't. It was intuition. I mm. just loved it. I was, I remember I used to wake up at two in the morning and voice note myself. I, I genuinely have voice notes on my phone yeah. still to this day. Make sure you ask this question, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. Dude, I do the same thing. <laughs> and I think that now I am really tired. I'm, I'm older, I'm like 30, you know? I feel that everyone, and this year it was so stupid because I used to be the person that would say, just sleep four hours to my boyfriend. I just mm. said, what's, what's the big deal? Just sleep four hours, get on with it. And drink four coffees a day and you'll be fine. And this year, I am so tired. Yeah. I need seven, eight hours of sleep. I never used to be that person. Mm. I think we've got to adapt and evolve and change. And you know, this year was really, really, really focused on building offline. This is not about my, growth, my year of growth this year. Mm. This is really about the community that I want to build. This is really about nourishing the people that I have. This is really about maintaining that um, group of people who are really interested in the podcast and thinking about where I want to go. This last year was all around growth for me. And this year, yeah, okay, I have grown, but I'm not grown at like, you know, I'm not in the millions, Mm. you know? And I think this year has all been about the underground work, the basis, the foundation. You know, there's so many things that I just did on a whim, as mm. you know, like did my Canva thing the night before, never had a logo, never had yeah. brand colors. I moved to studio again and, you know, figuring all of that stuff out for me. And there's so many things that I want to achieve mm. and so much underneath the iceberg that I need to focus on before you see the results of the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, that's what the focus is. I think the impression I get from when I look at hyper successful people is that there's a phase of just relentless obsession where nothing else matters, where you need that to get you to like step number 10 out Correct. of 100. But then when you get to step 10, to get from step 10 to 100, that's when you need to have the balance because you're playing in a different game at that point. Exactly. To beat everyone else from one to 10, you just have to want it more and be obsessed more. Yeah. And then when you get to 10, it's like, okay, now I'm playing the long, I'm playing, this is checkers, this is chess. This is like, okay, I need to make sure I'm getting my sleep or my food or my yeah. health or whatever so that I can continue to pe- uh, compete against these people who, you know, exactly. are doing that. It wasn't conscious, by the way. It was very unconscious. I just remember being like, you're saying, how did I do it? I don't know. I just, I just loved it. I was just doing it all the time. I still love it. It's but instinctive. Now I'm, I'm better at it as well. So mm. I don't have to spend so long prepping. I yeah. don't have to spend so long thinking. I can master it very quickly. And this year is about focusing, okay, well, where else do I want to go? Where is my horizon? What is it I want to do? But I do think that when you're doing your own thing, you do have to be really relentless. You do have to be someone who just doesn't give up because it's so easy to give up. There are many times I'm thinking, I just want to go back to my corporate job. This is so hard, it's Mm. so difficult. But I just don't want to add to that statistic. Mm. I don't want to add to that number of women are gonna fail, you're gonna Mm. fail, podcasts are gonna fail. Yeah, yeah. I need to change it. 
this has been like a really intense episode i've loved <laughs> it this has been i feel like i really connect with Aww. the energy that you have and the and your outlook and your approach to stuff Thank and you. i think and i think i'm very big on synchronicity and i think there's a there's a lot of things that are happening in my life at the moment in my own personal development and i feel like this episode happened we were meant to have you on like eight months ago something like that i know i'm and so just, sorry no, no no it's fine but i think my point is i think it made sense that you're on now I yeah. think some of the things that you said I really needed to hear. And mm. I think with the path that I'm going on and the things that I think the next six months I think will be quite formulative. Timing is and everything. So, yeah. And so I think it makes sense that you're on now. And I'm really, Amazing. really glad that you could make it. Um, before uh, before we round up, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, the performance plan and just what it is? And, and Absolutely. So look, when I started the podcast, I felt like a lot of people were intrigued by the thought process that I had. Mm. And so they asked me for coaching. Let's right. use you as a guinea pig. What's your goal for December? Uh, for December, as in, in month away? picture goal yeah uh big picture goal for december uh i guess is we are filming so i've got a youtube channel a personal youtube channel uh and it started as like a complete random thing um but i was going through some stuff and uh so i do a bunch of other stuff i'm a comedian um but i've done music in the past but i basically launched a youtube channel just for myself i didn't tell anyone about it and in two weeks i got to a k and i've now got a discord community and everything else and it's like sharp out of nowhere and i'm really like loving it um and so i basically said to barney he was looking for something a bit more creative to sink his teeth into and so i said dude why don't you just like jump on board with this let's just scale it we've already learned a whole lot about youtube about thumbnails editing titles everything else we've broken down the biggest youtubers we sat for like 10 hours like last week We'll I just, need those insights. Oh, I'll, I'll, Thank you. I'll gladly. Like, we'll do coffee 100%. I'm obsessed <laughs> with YouTube. Really? I'm obsessed. We sat for 10 hours last week and we literally spent 10 hours breaking down the biggest YouTubers' videos. We said, all right, make a note of how often they cut in their intro. Make a note of what color tones they're using. Make a note Amazing. of whether they have music. When they do a punchline, do they have music under it or do they have no music under it? How loud is the music relative to their voice? Love that. How many, like, we are obsessed with it. And, uh, and the goal is to get to a million subs by my 30th birthday, which is October the 7th in 2024. Okay, amazing. Yep. That's cool. So yep. what's your goal for December? For December, the goal is we're launching the new format of the channel um, on January 1st. So the goal until the end of December is to film 12 videos so that we can have the first three months of weekly videos done. So you want to have 12 videos, right? 12 so videos for... by the end of December. Okay, yeah. so what do you need to do to get those 12 videos done? Uh, we need to finalize... Um, we need to... S some logistical stuff, I guess, for some of the videos that we need. Um, we also need to find, I guess, dates to record um there are some people that we might need for those videos um because i'm doing some stuff with some subscribers um what else do we need i mean like topics well we, oh, we've we've yeah scripts we with topics we've got scripts shot lists um locations i guess logistic stuff yeah shots voiceovers yeah shots scripts and um and logistics okay and then you're gonna, so that's one of your goals, yeah? Yeah. So you, then we've broken down, there's gonna be more stuff in here. Okay. Then you're gonna tell me, okay, in week one, what are we focusing on? So first of all, the first thing you need to focus on is, I don't know, getting those people there, yeah. making sure you've got the scripts ready, all of that's gonna be week one. Week two, you're gonna maybe do the filming. Yeah. Week three, you're gonna do your voiceovers, and week four, you're gonna do your final edit. Yeah. So that's for one goal. So what you're doing is actually breaking down very grandly what you need to achieve. Right. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Instead of just saying, in this month, I'm gonna do that, well, when are you gonna do it? Yeah. Now, the thing is, is in a week, you have things that you have to do. So for example, today, I had a meeting at Selfridges in the morning. Okay. I then had to come here, and I've got a meeting in the evening right mm -hmm. so i have a gap now when i go home of time that i need to do so with you whether you've got a podcast whether you've got something else you need to manage you put in here your, just your key milestones of things you have to do and then very quickly you'll be able to see do i have enough time in the week to achieve my week one goal mm. 
Yeah, 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 I like that. Can I say yes to my friends to go out for dinner? Well, no, I can't. Can I actually go and watch this movie? No, I can't. Oh, I don't have even, time I mean, this week. I'm a week. hermit right now anyway. But let's just say for the average yeah. person, right? You need to make sure you're sitting. Like, this is very good to see. I'm working from home this day. Okay, mm. no, I'm in the office this day. It's just a very clear page where you can see your milestones. Now, every day, this is what you would fill out. You put your task and you would assign a time to it. And then here you'd fill out your top priorities and your quick wins and then your mood. And this is all around your wellness. So I was tired of having a separate gratitude journal, a separate yeah. planner and a separate mm. um, reflection journal because I can't carry three things. I just yeah. need one. So this has got what am I grateful for and what are your affirmations? This is Tony Robbins power hour where he says, right, three things you're grateful for which you are, mm -hmm. and then put yourself in the present tense. I'm so happy to have a million subscribers. I love having a Discord community of X amount. Yeah, yeah. My podcast is in number five and I'm getting called on to the Oprah show, whatever it is. Right, right? okay. But what you're grateful for is the fact that you've grown to 1K. You're grateful for the fact that you have a Discord community so quickly. You're grateful for that you've got Barney to help you with everything like yeah, that. Yeah. Then you manifest and you do your affirmations, which is the exact formula Tony Robbins uses. Really, okay. Then under here you have and the affirmations. So that so here I'm like I'm grateful I've got a million subs for example. Correct. It's in the present right. tense. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, you have it. Cool, cool. Then you, here you have a habit tracker. So it's water, sleep, movement, self care, learning, and whatever you want to do. I put vitamins here, but I've left that as a gap because you need right. to make sure you're getting enough water, sleep, movement, all of that every single day to be sustainable. There are going to be times in your life, and this is what I talk about in my goal setting workshop in December. Is there's four areas of your life that you need to set goals in. Okay, your health, your relationships, your career, and your hobbies. So your hobbies are things like learning a new language, I don't know, taking up something, whatever. Your career is obviously your work. Your relationships are like your family, your friends, your your girlfriend, your husband, whatever, your wife. And then obviously your health is something you need to prioritize every single month as well. Because if you don't prioritize it, it will catch up with you like it did with me, mm -hmm. okay? So I always tell people though, there are gonna be some months where your health is not a priority to you. You're not gonna be going to the gym five times a week like you've just said. Mm. There's gonna be some months where you are, but you need to keep a consistent amount where you're going. So if that's twice a week and you can manage that, then fine. Even if that's three times a week, you walk somewhere, that's okay. Right, yeah. Right, but you have to make sure you're putting something in each of these baskets because there's gonna be a time in your life where you're gonna really need to focus on your relationships because if somebody dies, you're not just gonna be like, oh, sorry, don't really care about your grief. I'm just gonna go off my work. Video, yeah. You're gonna have to put more effort in there. but. Ideally, you need to be putting some buckets and some goals into those areas to keep it maintained and balanced. Because at the end of the day, if you're gonna be on this like thing like Mr. Beast and just like drive it, mm -hmm. you're not. it's not realistic for everyone because a lot of us need relationships in our life. A lot of us need the love in our life. A lot of us want to have that in our life. And look, I don't I, have- I wanna have it. I think I'm just okay with postponing and that's, it. And that's okay. I think that's okay. Yeah. I think the mistake you shouldn't make is cutting people out. And last year, I made that very clear to my friends. Like, I love you all. I'm really grateful for you. But I just can't come out every Saturday and Sunday. And they, they understand that. They don't even ask me. Mm. And they're not annoyed with me about it. Mm. Because I communicated that. And they're like, you do your thing. If I say to them, I've got to leave at nine o'clock, they're like, no problem. You know? Mm -hmm. And that's not me never making time and effort for them. It's their wedding. It's their engagement. It's their birthday. I'll always go. But I can't stay out till 2 a.m. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. just too tired. Right? And so, like, I'd always make time. But I never... I never like cut them out, if that makes sense. Because they're the ones that I do. I want to live my life with, right, mm. at the end of the day. So all around your habits. And then this bit is all around reflection. So today I'm proud of. So what are you proud of every single day? That's really focusing on your strengths. Mm -hmm. And then what did I do well or enjoy? Again, really focusing on the things that you're good at, right? When you say to someone, what business did you start? They'll say, well, I really loved this, which mm. is why I did it. Mm. But if I ask you right now, what are you good at? A lot of people don't know. Right, you can tell me what you're bad at, but you don't tell me your strengths. Mm. 
And then this is what could be better tomorrow, which is where can you outsource, where can you get the help, who do you need? Because you can't do everything by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so this is essentially what I've created. And in, in December, I basically run a session where I help anyone achieve any goal that they want. Because it's not just about setting your goal, it's about finding your vision, your purpose and your why, mm-hmm. uncovering those limiting beliefs, rewiring your brain, and actually having actionable steps. So when you leave my workshop, you will have a 10 page notebook, a workbook that I've curated with all those things that you need to do that before you set any goals. Yeah. And you'll leave with this all being filled out. So when you open it in January, you're just ticking. Shivani, thank you so much for coming on. This has been amazing. Um, where can thank people you. find you? That's your camera right there. Okay, yeah, you can find me at shivani.pow on Instagram, shivani.pow on TikTok, and shivani.pow on YouTube as well. Nice and clean. Awesome. Thank you for an amazing interview. This was so much fun. Guys, what an amazing conversation. You can get Shivani's performance planner uh, in the link in the description. And thank you for watching. Please do subscribe. And if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, please do remember to leave a review or a rating. We'll see you in the next one. Take care.